Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen, let's talk about the beast below. Um, I'm mainly going to talk about uh, Amy and the fact that it's her kind of first proper adventure with the Doctor um, after, after her first episode last time. Um, but before I get onto that, I do want to um, briefly mention a few points about the setting of the episode because I adore the concept of this episode. I absolutely love how it takes this common sci-fi idea of humanity, you know, fleeing to other planets, um, and certainly something that we've seen before in Doctor Who, you know, this classic Doctor story, the, the Ark in Space is the one that jumps to mind, um, that has kind of similar concept, and it's a concept that we will see again, um, in Smile, for instance, um, with the Twelfth Doctor. Um, so it takes this common sci-fi concept and just puts a really nice spin on it. Um, partly the idea of, like, this is one nation, um, on a ship. And, I mean, that works for, like, the aesthetics of it um you know because you've got the lovely like bunting and kind of Londonish things inside in inside the spaceship um and it also you know that lovely kind of poetic speech that the doctor has about them getting on the spaceship and then how that you know feeds into how they're actually on the spaceship with the star whale and, and, and the sort of like darkness uh, beyond it. It's just, it's a really well uh, structured episode. I also, I mean, the other reason that it being Starship UK is, is, is you know, works really well is because it allows you to have the queen as a character. I love the idea of Liz Ten. Um the the fact that she's, you know, walking around investigating stuff in disguise and the fact that like she knows the doctor through the stories about him, like that really neat, you know, bringing in stuff that we've actually seen. In, in various Doctor Who stories. Um, I also love how it ties into, like, the whole concept of the monarchy in Britain is uh, this sort of figurehead that doesn't actually do any governing. Um, and it's interesting that in, in, in the story, like, she possibly is more involved in governing, like like the, you know, UK constitution of the, lent a, a little bit away from the monarchy being a figurehead in in, several thousand years time, um, or se several hundred years time, I always get confused. Twenty ninth century, yeah, um. But yeah, the idea of the monarchy is that like they don't get involved in government and that sort of is 
done through this this kind of mind wiping thing this idea that she literally is forced to forget the decision that she and her government have made and that allows her to be a figurehead I just yeah great concept I think it's really well done um yeah it's really it's a it's a really good way of doing a slight dystopia political satire episode in Doctor Who um because yeah Doctor Who is something where you've probably got to be a little bit gentle with some of the political satire um having said that I'm now remembering like Aliens of London which I yeah I don't know. Um, anyway, let's talk about the fact that this is Amy's first adventure, um, and to me, I don't know. It has kind of elements of a new companion story. In some ways, because, I mean, this series is unusual from what we've seen so far in this rewatch, in that we have a new doctor and a new companion at the same time. Um, which actually is not something we'll see again until 13, I think. Yeah, because the 12th doctor keeps Clara. Um, so yeah, when you have both of those at the same time, you've got to give them both a little bit of uh, space. So... In the last episode, we saw kind of where Amy comes from. We see how she meets the Doctor and we see kind of why she runs away with the Doctor. Um, But in the 11th hour, all of the kind of saving the world stuff pretty much was done by the Doctor. Like the only kind of active bit that Amy had to do in that episode was the the apple scene when she allows the doctor to keep doing what he's doing but she's not actually you know doing any investigating or anything like that so in this episode we actually see her in action and I'm sorry it's um it's the end of October and apparently um people in the neighborhood have gotten confused and think it's bonfire night already um so they're about a week early on that. So, uh, I'll. I'm sorry if you get that, if you if you heard those bangs in 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 the background there. Um, sorry. Um. Yeah. So seeing Amy in action, like as an actual companion, and it's really summed up by that scene where she's with Mandy and says. I never could resist a keep out sign. Like, if that's not a perfect attitude for the Doctor's companion um, and the Doctor himself, um, like, I don't know what else is. It's great. Um, I do love in this episode that the Doctor is, like, sort of aware that he's got a new companion and he's almost like using her as a way to turn off turn over a new leaf with that whole thing at the start of observers only um 
But of course, that lasts about five seconds and then turns into, yeah, let's let's stay out of trouble badly. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, he he's sort of conscious that he's got a new companion. Um, but then, so I think this is the other reason that it feels like a very typical in some ways new companion episode is that Amy is learning the rules of traveling with the doctor um and that kind of goes all the way through and actually you have Amy learning about the doctor to the extent that the resolution depends on it which I love I always love it when the character stuff ties that neatly into the plot stuff um which is great so let's look at the resolution in a bit more detail and sort of like how uh how amy and the doctor kind of um deal with that i think it's really interesting here because we we have amy nearly failing the uh the companion test and i put that in air quotes again uh through the voting to forget in the booth um which is interesting because i know i've mentioned before that like the doctor choosing a new companion he you know inviting his new best friend to travel with him it's not it's it's not a, it's not employment there shouldn't be a companion test but i think it i think it's episodes like this that make me kind of think that the doctor does have some sort of criteria in his head that that you know a person can fail um yeah and the doctor finds out about well he he knows that amy voted to forget in the booth but he didn't really know you know to the extent of what she was voting to forget so he finds out about the star whale later in the episode and you know says yeah we're taking you home this is this is not acceptable um but of course he's he's just found out this absolutely horrific thing that humans have been capable of and he's you know he's staring down the barrel of this amazingly difficult decision of release the star whale and kill everyone on the ship or kill the star whale humanely and and let it continue um so he's definitely overreacting and amy was absolutely right to call him on it um but it's it's an interesting moment um because i suppose I talked last episode about it not being entirely clear why the Doctor takes Amy with him. And I think the fact that they're almost not quite at the stage of being best friends yet maybe contributes to the fact that he could have taken her back home there. Perhaps... Um, because yeah i i think they are best friends by the end of this episode 
Um, and it's not like, it's not like, you know, we get the vibe that he doesn't like Amy earlier on in the episode or, or anything, but there is a slightly different dynamic between the Doctor and Amy than there is between certainly like the Doctor and Rose and the Doctor and Donna where they're, you know, very good friends from very early on. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the thing that, you know, means that Amy doesn't just get dumped back in Ledworth, which would be a, you know, interesting way to finish the, uh, finish the second episode of, of the series, um, is that Amy then gets this, Amy works it out, and she gets this moment of, um, like, explaining what the star whale is up to, and, 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 and well before she explains what she does she just goes ahead and does it which is um you know which is great <laughs> I love that I love that she just goes no I, I know this is the right thing to do I'll, I'll explain in a second um and it's almost doctorish her speech um particularly like the bit where they speed up and 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 she goes, you know, you stop torturing the pilot. That's got to help. It it is almost, yeah, doctor like, um. And then she explains the star whale and very pointedly stared at the doctor. Um. Yeah. And it's interesting. So Amy has learned bits of like information about the doctor in this episode um and, and these bits of information are you know specifically relevant to her being able to make that parallel with the star whale what start with the star whale you know the whole last of their kind lonely um unable to put up with children crying before you know stepping in to help but i do wonder if she also can like whether she knows the doctor this well because she has been thinking about him for 14 years you know if you think about I mentioned that I think Amy is you know a subtler version of a Doctor Who fan if you think about what we do in terms of you know re-watching episodes and and thinking about them and drawing connections and stuff Amy has kind of been doing that for 14 years just on you know she did it for 12 years with the uh the doctor you know investigating the crack in her bedroom and and being fed all manner of uh, of food um and then she's done it for another two years post the 11th hour of the whole rest of the prisoner zero thing she's yeah she's been thinking about the doctor for 14 years and i do think i do think that contributes to why 
why she knows him that well already. Um, I yeah, I it can't it can't not contribute to it. It's it's got to feed into it. Now, like I like I say, I absolutely love this episode. There is one moment that's my favorite, and that is the um closing scene when they're outside the TARDIS and Amy asks whether the Doctor's ever run it run away from something, and um learn that uh, in fact, yes, he did, and he never stopped, and that's how he got there. Um, that just sums up who the Doctor is, um, to me, and, yeah, I, I do like this series, sort of like seeing the Doctor as just this guy that goes around on adventures, um, you know, the madman in a box, I do really like that element of it. Um, yeah. But the other thing that's good about that moment is we we already knew why Amy would, would quite happily run away with the Doctor. You know, we got that whole vibe from her first episode. But then obviously in the last, you know, 10 seconds of the first episode, we find out that it's actually the night before her wedding. Um, and here we find that some part of her is actually specifically running away from the fact that it's her wedding. You know, that's not just a coincidence. Which is an interesting thought. If the doctor had, uh, if the doctor had only waited a year to come back, if, if, if he hadn't waited the full two years, like, would she have gone gone away with him quite so easily? I still think she would have, but uh, but still. Anyway, my point is, it's um, it's a bit unusual to have a companion actively running away from a specific thing in their life. Usually, we see that they're either you know running away from the general dissatisfaction with their life like Donna and Rose did or we see that they're running towards the Doctor and his adventures like Martha did um but yeah having them run away from something specific is uh, a bit unusual so it makes a nice change um and it is it, it does feel appropriate you know if you run away with a madmen in a box that feels appropriate that you're actually running away from something um and this element does uh carry on the fairy tale theme as well from the first episode um particularly with amy being in her nighty for the entire episode to me that has a very like sneak out of bed in the middle of the night from an, for an adventure sort of tone it kind of reminds me of not Narnia because that's uh uh kind of Narnia no um I don't know it just reminds me of like 
of of that kind of like children's adventure books that I'm thinking of um I'm trying to think which one in particular um Enid Blyton's uh magic wishing chair I'm sure the first one of those has them uh running out to to see the wishing chair in the middle of the night and and it flying away with them on it I'm sure um I don't know, maybe there's also an element of, like, those kind of boarding school books where, you know, people sneak out of bed in the middle of the night and, and go and have midnight feasts and, and and go and sneak around school to do whatever. It it very much has that kind of vibe, um, which is appropriate. Um yeah yeah overall love this episode thank you very much for listening um i have an email address for this podcast if anyone has any commentary i'd love to hear from you the email address is helen talks who at gmail.com next time i will be watching victory of the daleks which again is an episode that i really like so see ya